Previously on that Cthulhu John. You've reached the residence of Rutherford Brightly. I'm afraid I'm on a rather important excursion to Morocco. Don't you think it's a little funny that he went on an expedition without telling anyone about it? Wait, isn't his office in here? Don't hmm. we both kind of know how to pick locks? We could take a look, I suppose. Find out what we can. And Heather's cracking the door open. <laughs> Does he have an answering machine there? Can I listen to all his messages? Hey, Rutherford, it's Tom. The experiment that I was doing, something went kind of wrong with it. Next, you hear a message on there. Rutherford, it's Willis. Are you sure about this Pendergast guy? Do you think he really deserves even 14 bucks? I'll take out my little mini cassette tape recorder and... So you record a recording. They took Chucky to the hospital. Would you be able to tell me about that gentleman's condition? He appears to be in stable condition, but he is currently in police custody. They're out front of his ICU unit. Turn on the news. There was a shooting outside a local establishment called the Fireside Tavern. Owner Sal Lombardi has been shot and is in critical condition. Thanks for joining us for That Cthulhu John, episode 62. We are a real play Call of Cthulhu podcast. I am George, your keeper of arcade law! And with me are my friends and investigators, Chad. <laughs> Chuck. <laughs> and Jenny. <laughs> nice yeah <laughs> the band's back together guys hey, why do we we only have lead guitarists we're a band of lead guitarists yeah. just fighting over the front of the stage <laughs> out of the way you're messing up my hair all the guitars playing back to back to back mm-hmm. <laughs> all like yeah. a triangle they just <laughs> rotate when it's their turn to solo <laughs> sounds awesome <laughs> But there's always three cameras running at all times. <laughs> we can be replaced by one single octopus. <laughs> <laughs> and he can still play drums with the other two. Oh, man. Let's teach he an might. octopus how to play music. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure somebody did that back in the day, like Wacky Races or something. Oh, got it. Yeah. Somebody's like one, one of those Looney Tunes or some shit. Yeah. yeah. There was a purple dude. No, maybe he was just the drummer. <laughs> just the drummer. Yep. His solo oh, is That's right. That's what people think, say. You don't think they play xylophone? The worse than the drummer, though, is the bass player. Trust me, I know. Aw. <laughs> Nobody appreciates the smooth and sweetness that you keep. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody appreciates it until you're not there, and they're like, gosh, we need a bassist. Yeah, exactly. Would it be the doors? <laughs> uh, all right. So when we left off, Heather was at home and she just got the news that Sal was shot in a drive-by shooting at the fireside and is in critical condition. Did I say at Jefferson Hospital? Well, it's at Jefferson Hospital. Same place where Walter is. Okay. But we're going to leave 
Heather there for right now, and we're going to go see what Walter's doing. Walter, you have fallen asleep going through these books. You know how you do. Several times over, I'd imagine. Yeah, you know how you just kind of keep reading until you get drowsy, and then all of a sudden you're face down in the book. Well, this Absolutely. time the book... Yeah, exactly. The book is on your uh, on your tummy. Okay, makes sense. All right. So you're laying back, and the book is on your tummy. And you wake up to the sound of a nurse going, Oh, Mr. Pendergast, I'm here to get you prepped for your surgery. Oh, goody. Time to peel my skin off and reattach it to a new area. <laughs> he looks very nervous and beads of sweat instantly form on both sides of his head, I'm sure. She she tries to calm me down. She says, Mr. Pendergast, this is maybe not the most routine surgery. However, it has a very high success rate. And you'll be under for the whole thing. You won't feel anything until the next day. Well, I suppose there's some small comfort there. It's uh, just a little overwhelming, but I appreciate the word of kindness there. She goes, yes. Well, Mr. Pendergast, we can't give you breakfast right now, of course, because of the surgery. Since it's early now, we'd like to get you prepped, get you on another IV drip, and get you into surgery. Very well. Um, I guess he does his best to kind of secure the books and his personal belongings and otherwise does what uh, he needs to do to get ready. There is a nightstand next to your hospital bed that you can put the books in. Definitely. I'll start there. Stow okay. them away. Try to put something on top of them just to kind of, I don't know, cover them if somebody should happen to open them. I got gotcha. you. So you put those books away in that drawer, slide it shut, and the nurse helps you get into a wheelchair. She hands you a pole to hold on to that has the IV drip on it. Mm-hmm. You get wheeled out of your room, down the hallway, into an elevator, and up to another floor where you see a set of sliding doors. Everyone beyond the sliding doors looks like they're wearing masks and hairnets, things like that. Gotcha. Surgery prep area. Yeah. So, Walter, the nurse, helps you put on one of those uh, hairnets. We got this from Burger King. Put this on. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's a crown. Oh, that's super fun. (laughs) (laughs) Crown. That's where you sound. It's very. He's like a really fun surgeon he's got. (laughs) They wheel you into another area where you see a table. There's a guy sitting behind some sort of medical desk. He gets up from behind it and goes towards you and shakes your hand. And he goes, Mr. Pendergast, my name's Jake. I'm going to be your anesthesiologist. We're going to get to know each other pretty good in just a second here. Hmm. He goes, first, I'm just going to give you this little thing to drink. And he hands you a cup that's half filled up with a red liquid. Okay. Start there. Super cool anesthesiologist. Gulp it. He says, we're going to get you a little drowsy here. And he switches out your IV drip with something else. After about a minute or so, Walter, you start to feel kind of drowsy. Your vision starts to become tunnel vision. And you just kind of pass out. Hey, is this going... (laughs) Exactly. Let's get back to Detective Thompson. You were at your office. Uh, Martinez had just talked to you. Woke me up woke you up from your nap that you were taking behind your desk. He's good for that, though. Yeah. Ever the go-getter. Yes, and you told him about you shooting Chucky and that he's uh, in the hospital now. 
He just took in what you said and and said, well, if I hear anything about it, I'll let you know. Uh, say, what do you know about, um, what do you know about that drive-by? We think that the drive-by shooting happened, uh, as a result of the owner of this bar, the Fireside Tavern. Mm-hmm. Apparently he owed money to the mafia, and we think that another rival may have come by and shot up the place as he was planning hmm. to sell it. I see. Uh, poor the, guy. However, the paperwork for selling the bar never actually went through, though, so he still owns the bar. Hmm. Thanks. I was curious. He said, sorry if that's not, a, you know, too much help or anything, but... No, I mean, it's plenty. I've been there once or twice, you know, I just figured I'd, I'd ask. Um, oh, have you? Yeah, I stopped by before. Did you know the guy that got shot? No, I met him, but the niece in, in that Mildred Thievely case, uh, she used to work there. Oh, yeah, that's right. That case still open? Yeah, it would appear so. Um, some new things may have come to light, but uh, I'm still looking into it slowly. I'm more concerned with this right now. It's going to have to take the back seat. Okay. Well, I mean, you got a lot on your plate all the time, Detective Thompson. So, uh, yeah, I'm just going to go, you know, grab some coffee and, uh, you know, hit my beat. All right. I'll uh, let you know if uh, you can help out. And he gets a sparkle of happiness in his eye. little little sparkle of joy in his eye. And he just goes, "Uh, yeah, of course. Anytime I can be of help. I kind of give him a thumbs up as I put the uh, toothbrush back in my mouth and close the door. (laughs) You got it, dude. That's right. Yeah, give him a thumbs up. That's funny. Oh, and uh, by the way, leave one of those donuts for me, would you? Did you have uh, any plans that you wanted to get to? Um, are you serious? <laughs> I got, I'm swamped with paperwork, first off. I got dead yep. people piling up. <laughs> Pets' heads are falling off. I don't, I don't even know where to begin. That's true. <laughs> Um, but I don't want to go look into the forensics yet because I forgot to get her something and she was mad at me last time. Um, so I'm trying to butter everybody up because I need help. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, I think instead I'm going to, uh, finish bird bathing a bit. Uh, hit okay. the bathroom and file, uh, I guess file my report on getting shot at. It's technically Detective Donaldson's case. However, there's plenty of paperwork for you to help fill out. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure being involved in it, right. you know, I don't even know if I have to turn in my sidearm or whatever, but um, I guess we'll get to that later. Yeah. Uh, but I think you did turn in your sidearm when the cops came to your parking lot. I recall you doing that. Oh, I see. Yeah. Oh, uh, well then I got a backup in the desk. <laughs> I'd say you have a backup in the desk. You're a detective. Word. I uh, grab a handful of extra rounds. All right. Pocket them. Same gun that you had before. There's a different color handle on it. Kind of like open the very bottom drawer and then like lean below my desk just in case anyone's peeking through the the blinds and then do a little... Mm -hmm. (laughs) Little (laughs) little bumpski. Little little sugar for my coffee. (laughs) All right. So you do your little bump there. Kind of wakes you up a little bit. 80s. 
That's so 80s. And I think I have to run out for a bit. I get together what paperwork I need to. I dump it wherever on his desk in his little bin. Okay. And I head out to the Sweet T-Bird. Sweet T-Bird. Mm-hmm. Uh, Detective Thompson, it's two hours you're doing paperwork that you just can't get away from. Okay, that's fair. Now it is 10 o'clock and you head out to the T-Bird for? I got to drive somewhere. Where are you going? <laughs> I think it's time to swing by Logan. All right. Um, and on the way there, maybe stop at like, uh, I don't know if there's any like fresh flowers and produce joints, you know, that you see in various spots around the city. What was that? I'm sorry. Like like fresh flowers and produce, like farmer's market things. And, oh, know, yeah. They're down around the city here and there. Yeah. I remember there used to be like corner produce stores and shit. Yeah. I'm going to get some, like, I, I imagine there'll be poinsettia. It's around wintertime. It's a popular winter flower. It's really flower, more of a right? Christmas thing, though, isn't it? When's Christmas? What month is it? It's March. I don't know. They might still be around. <laughs> well, either way, I get, uh, I get some flowers. Some flowers. Flowers. Yeah. <laughs> flowers. <laughs> yeah, so you do that. Can you usually get a good succulent garden any time of the year at a flower place? That sounds dirty. You pass by one of those one of those locally owned produce stores that also happens to sell flowers. Nothing says bribe like a succulent. Grab some coffee. <laughs> coffee while I'm at it. Alright. Grab yourself a cup of coffee. And I head head into Logan. Head back up broad. Alright, you go to Logan. You pull up to that same address that you've been at before. The house with the run down porch and the door that looks like it's maybe crooked on its hinges a little bit. Go up. Uh, what do you do? Knock on the door? Yes, I do. Okay, a little rap on the door. Door cracks open just a little bit, and you see a, a chain connecting the door to the door jam. Mm-hmm. I'm looking out uh, across the street and around to see if uh, you know anyone is paying attention, or just to take in the surroundings. As the door opens, you know, it's it's always cooler if you like if you turn around and look at them. Right after it opens. Spin. Hey. Oh, didn't see you there. Oh, hey. <laughs> I didn't realize I was knocking for you. <laughs> so in the space that the chain is holding fast, you see a pair of eyes that you recognize from before the uh, rather attractive lady hubba, with the hubba. green eyes. Yeah. So she sees you and goes, oh, hello, detective. Why don't you come in? She closes the door and you hear the chain unlatch. She lets you in. Morning, ma'am. She goes, good morning, detective. And she closes the door behind her. I brought her some flowers, too. Oh, that's nice of you. Yeah, I'm like, here, sorry I called so early. Uh, it was a stressful time. I might have an emergency. All right, she start, you start to see her figure kind of fade, turn into... I kind of avert my eyes a little bit, <laughs> but I try not to wince. It's, it's a, a little... snake again. Uh, I'm sorry, I... So you got yeah. rogfin flowers? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's nice. Right. That's nice. So you start like to see living it under the guise of a lady. So change into the serpentine figure. Uh, Thompson, I think you've lost the most sanity you can to a serpent person. Therefore, it's you been have... a couple times now. Yeah. Well, I'm saying because you've seen serpent people enough times, you get what they call getting used to the awfulness. Gotcha. It says it in the book. 
after you lose the max sanity to any mythos monster, you no longer can lose anymore. Can't help but shudder a little bit, you know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's creepy as shit. <laughs> so she does this transformation in front of you. Rockfim says to you, thank you, detective. And he takes the flowers from you and you see him open his mouth and he just jams them down his throat and he swallows them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes, of course. <laughs> it's a good thing I lost all the sanity I could. Yeah. I think it's, it's enough right there. Just fucking warped. Your ego goes down five points. You see his long, skinny tongue lick his lips. Lizard lips. Yeah. So, um, I've learned a few things and might have made a mistake or <laughs> critically injured and possibly murdered two of the heralds. He gets a surprised look on his snaky face. Um, I was attacked by the ones posing as the gangsters. He says, ah, yes, Mardok and Higfrit. Mm-hmm. He says, you have killed one, possibly both of them. Well, the one got shot. As far as I know, he was in critical condition as of last night. And the other one, ah, well, I, it was probably a number of things from... The battle he and I had, uh, plus some other things when we were trying to interrogate him. He tried to escape. Well, it is better that you kill off more of the Heralds, detective. With none of them left, the spell during the Aquarian meteor shower cannot happen. I see. So, uh, that is the plan, huh? How many are required for that? Or just any one? It only takes one to cast the spell. I mean, they weren't at a disadvantage from the beginning if there's one missing. Unless they're already dead. There's no telling where Drellbeth has gone. Surfing. Do you ask him why he was acting weird on the phone or anything? No. No? No, okay. it's... I don't know. Well, when you get a better look at him, you see that this particular Ophidian, uh, now that you are becoming more familiar with these snake folk, you can see that they have different markings on them. Okay. Higfrit had black and yellow stripes going up his neck. You see on Rogfim that he has red, what looks like waves coming up his neck and form up to his head and intertwine into the form of an hourglass that resembles the marking of a black widow. And these are like natural markings? These are natural markings on them that you can just see the scale patterns. I'd say, is there anything significant that you can think about that would be in Morocco? He thinks about it for a second, and he says, No, detective, I cannot think of anything that would be in Morocco. Hmm. And, um, I have questions about beliefs in the Ophidian cultures. Uh, what can you tell me about Sathagua? As soon as you say that word, whoops, he reels back and he goes, you should not speak the name of that oh. horrible god. Oh. It is forbidden in our culture. I see. Is it possible that any of the heralds are traitors? He thinks about it for a second and he goes, Well, insofar as I may be considered a traitor, however, there's no telling what Drellbeth has gotten himself into. That's our Drellbeth. As far as I know, the rest of the Heralds all have the same plan in mind, and all worship Yig. 
Have you had any contact with any of the others recently since we spoke last? Well, since I've seen you last. He says, no, detective. I have not. I have not been in communication with them for some time. Very well, then. Um, that's pretty much all I really... Tell them what else you learned. Oh, what else did I learn? Was there something I missed? I know you said there was some things you learned. Well, Morocco was, it was a hunch based on something else. I just... Right. Um, I don't know. Give me an education roll. Thank you. <laughs> Give you a chance here. That's a seven out of eighty-five. So mm. that's it's pretty hard. Pretty extreme. That's extreme. So, with that extreme pass, you think about that opal that was ditched in the sewer that Higfret had on him. Yeah. You wonder if Rogfim has one. Oh yeah. I say um. An opal was found on one of um, the ophidians I battled. They used it to communicate, seemingly track each other. Is it possible that you have one, or, or... He says, yes, detective. I have had to keep mine hidden for quite some time, so as they do not know where I am. In what way do you have it hidden? Somehow concealed uh, from tracking, or... He says to you, wait here. And he kind of, uh slinks away into another room. Then he comes back with some sort of very ornamental-looking box. It looks like it's made out of wood, but it's stained green, almost a jadish color. On the side of it, it has some strange carvings. Rogvim looks up to you and says, The insignias carved on this box keep it enchanted. It blocks all communications with the sound gems. That's the best translation from our language. Sound gems. It blocks all communication between me and the rest of the Heralds and keeps the others from knowing where I am. I see. Good to know. Do you think you would have any use for it? Uh, for the, the gem itself or the box? The box possibly more so, but... Both or either, detective. I am offering them to you. I cannot touch the stone inside. He opens the box and shows you this psychic opal. It's a gem that is smooth and polished to a jewel, and it gives off a strange rainbow glow. And then he puts the lid back on the box. Um, Would you be able to show me how to use it? He goes, yes, detective. I can show you. I can teach you how to use it. Excellent. Um, Is it difficult? What would I have to do? I can't even begin to imagine. He says, Detective, you have to open your mind. I, uh... I don't think I have too much experience in that department. Oh, oh, yeah, I guess not. Um, so, he has the box in his hand still. And he says to you, Detective, the way that I can teach you is if you touch the stone. But it has to be in the box so they can't track it. Right? That is the way that we can do We can teach you how to use it. So I slip my fingers in there. All right. So you slip your fingers in there, and it, uh, the, uh, he keeps the lid of the box still kind of closed, so your hand's between the lid and the box. Uh, I hope it counts. Yeah. Magic. You feel your hand touch the smooth surface of the opal. Suddenly, your vision just goes completely white. 
He says, Detective, do not panic. Let the energy flow through you. Let the energy flow into your mind. Let that groove take you, baby. (laughs) (laughs) And you do start to feel this uh, power kind of flow through you. He says, Detective, think of your family. My kids? It will keep you grounded. Ah, yes. You start to see this veil of white start to part a little bit. It starts to spiral. Looks like smoke spinning around. And then you breathe in deep. And you feel something cold fill your lungs. You're going to need to give me a power roll. Ooh. Eighty. Oh, I got a 75. I, can I spend points on that? You can. I don't really want to, but because I'm low. I feel like it's worth it. Mm-hmm. Seemed like a worth it situation. Open your yeah. mind. I'm down to 18 luck. Okay. And 18 give me luck. a sanity roll. Oh, crap. <laughs> Dude, I just, you wanted me to fail this. I was, oh, man. I don't want to. Well, you can't spend luck on sanity. No, I know. It's just, yeah. I get scared every time, George. And I, I just don't want to do it. I feel like I'm being punished. <laughs> 34 will do it, though. Nice. Okay. So, Thompson. That's a hard this, veil, actually. This hard veil of white dissipates. You kind of almost breathe it into yourself, and you feel a part of your mind open up. You can't hear any other voices, but you can hear your own voice inside your head. Loud enough that it sounds like you're talking out loud. I hear Quado. Open your mind. (laughs) Luke! Luke's the name! (laughs) And suddenly, somehow you get the idea that you could use this stone to communicate with the other stones. Mm -hmm. You just know you can now. And Rogfim says to you, Detective, you understand now, I see. Uh, you know, a week ago, I wouldn't have believed any of this. (laughs) Detective, this is a lot to lay on you, I understand. However, I am quite pleased to see you keeping your mind together. I'm doing my best to do my job. (laughs) Says, yes, the spell must be stopped. Now that you mention it, you wouldn't know of any way to track an object, would you? Or locate an object? Depends on what object it is. It's a book. Ooh. Um, he says to you, books are not something that I would be able to track. It would have to be something related to us, Ophidians. We did not have printing presses. Um, there just might be some information about Ophidians in it. Uh, you've told him about these books before, right? I might have mentioned, yeah, that that's how we came to know yeah. some of this stuff. Yeah. Um, because these shouldn't exist as far as they were concerned. Yeah. The Ophidians, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I assume that's where they, I don't know, she might, he might assume, it, they might assume. Um, that's where I found out about Sathagwa as well. Yeah. Well, he says, Detective Thompson, those books are an abomination to our culture. Our rituals, our prayers are not for the ears of humans. I don't believe that's the entirety of what these books are. I'm not really too sure, honestly. But 
I guarantee they're not being shared widely. Um, even amongst members of the group that own the complete collection aren't sharing them with each other, it mm. would seem. Um, everybody's very secretive around all of this. So I, I suspect we have a traitor in our own midst. You must be careful, Detective Thompson. Anything could go wrong, and if it does, the human race could be wiped out. Yeah, I'm trying to be... I'm trying to... I'm working on it. I'm getting, we're, we're working on it. <laughs> um, Says yes, Detective Thompson. If there's any other way I can aid you, please let me know. You can call me on the phone if you'd like. However... One more question. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Uh, do any of your brethren... Could any of them burst a human heart in a chest, like, all at once? Like, much more than a heart attack. Yeah, he says to you... Um, I'm not sure on this one. Uh, hold on. Roll dice. Do they got that magic? <laughs> Do they? Y'all know about that magic? <laughs> did you read? Did you learn about no fitting in school? Probably don't even know any spells. Um, I I kind of briefly described the the description in the um the autopsy. The, uh, yeah, the autopsy report. Assuming that they've been around long enough that they probably picked up a few things about human anatomy here and there. Yeah, definitely. Probably. Watching General Hospital, at least. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so... The, um <laughs> Blanche. So, he says to you, this is a spell. This is capable of being performed by one of our spells, yes. Hmm. It is known by our highest priest. Oh, one person in particular? Or could it be a multitude of high priests? The high priests are Glaxoth and Keolobal. That's the mayor and his assistant. Well, then it would seem as if one of the recent owners of these books may have been killed by one of your own. One of them might indeed have that missing book as well. Well, he replies to you, if they do have the book, Detective, there's no way of me knowing. Yeah. But you've told me everything I really needed to know anyway. Um, it pulls some attention away from the innocent, at least. Uh, well, thank you for your time. Um, I should probably get back to work. <laughs> he says to you, yes, Detective, I understand. If you ever need any more assistance, you know how to reach me. Sure. Um, yeah, I'll let you know. Thank you. And I grab that box. That ornamental and box. Does it have a latch? Does it stay shut by itself? No, it has like, it's like a lid that you have to lift off. You have like a little bag or something I could put this in? Paper bag and like roll it up so it don't get jostled in the car? He's got, uh, he gives you a little cardboard box to put the other box in. All right. All right. <laughs> Box in a box. Box in a box. Rubber, I just want something to keep the lid on. Rubber band around it. I'm going to stuff yeah. some, some junk from my glove box in there to you know, roll up some paper. Okay. Jam it in there so it don't come off. All right. So you put the... Box in the box in the car. Yeah, the enchanted box in the car. And make sure that the lid won't come off of it. Yep. Well, neato. Mm-hmm. I got a magical item. I got two of them. Oh, the opal box. Yeah. Box in the opal, yeah. Yeah. True. 
So it is now about 11 o'clock there, Detective Thompson, after going there and with your exchange with the uh, Ophidian. So that's 11 o'clock for you. Uh, Heather, what are you doing after you get this terrible news? I'm going to page Thompson okay. with, with my number and 911. And then... Okay, well, he's not going to get back to you right, for a while. Right, that's fine. And then I'm going to get dressed as quick as possible and go to the hospital. Because I figure I had to go see Walter to watch the books anyway, so I'll just check on Sal okay. when I'm there. All right. So you go to the hospital... Uh, they tell you that Walter is in surgery right now and you won't be allowed to go into his room. Ugh. Okay. Um, I'll go and ask about Sal Lombardi. Says, oh yeah, he's in the ICU, but he seems to be coming around. Is there any way I could go see him? I'm his niece. She says, yes, it's family only. She directs you to the ICU. And then you ask the nurse desk there if they have where Sal Lombardi is. And they direct you to his room. And there you see Sal. He's on the bed. He's got a gown on. He looks paler than usual. You see him hooked up to an IV. And he's asleep on the bed. Is there anyone around before I go in the room? Does it look? No, it looks like he has his own private room. Okay. Nobody in the hallway, though. Like, I don't know. Besides, like, doctors and nurses. No, no, no one else. Maybe a janitor, but that's about it. Okay. Um, I go in, I just sit next to him. Maybe I, like, hold his hand, but I'm, like, rubbing the top of his hand. Aw, okay. In hopes that he'll also, like, wake up a little bit, but also just because I love him. Aw. <laughs> okay, so as you're rubbing his hand, you do see his eyes start to open a little bit. He says to you, Sal, what happened? He goes, I don't know, Heather. All I know is that the bullets started coming through the windows. I got hit a couple times and then things just kind of went black on me. Do you know who did it? Can I do it? Do you need anything? Do you need me to I don't, go watch the bar? I, I don't understand. I thought that the guys that were taking over the bar, it's their bar now. Why are they shooting it up if it's the same guys? He says my suspicion would be that it's a rival gang. Oh my god. Of the people that are trying to buy the bar out from me. But Heather, about that. Listen, I haven't signed the paperwork yet to hand over the bar. However, I'm going to sign over the whole bar to you, Heather. I can't stay there anymore. Oh my god, Sal to me. And I'm like hugging him. I'm like, I don't even show up to work and you're giving me your bar? <laughs> he goes, he goes, oh, oh, God, as you're hugging him. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> he goes, Heather, I know, but I can't be in this kind of environment anymore. I got to get out of Philadelphia. Do you, I mean, do you need anything? Do you have money? I got a good egg stashed away. Don't worry about me. Worry about the fireside, if anything. I mean, are they going to come after me now? Well, we could hope that they don't. But, Heather, I don't know what else to do. I don't want the bar going to the mafia. That's fine. I mean, don't worry about that. Don't don't stress. I'll, I'll figure it out. <laughs> He's like, Heather, you're like a daughter to me in a way. I mean, a pain in the ass, yeah. But still, kind of like a daughter. I want you to have this business. 
I know you could turn it into something good. I'm going to hug him again, even though I know it hurts, and just say, okay, sorry, a- I love you too. <laughs> he goes, okay, okay, this is great, Heather, it's been <laughs> great seeing you and all, but, uh, you know, you got to be a little more hands-off. I'm sorry. He pulls his bed sheet over himself. You see him try to get comfortable with it, and he goes, well, um, I'm feeling pretty beat right now. Why don't you, uh, why don't you go to the bar and <laughs> see what you can do about it? Did you already do it? You already signed it over? Like, is there anything I have to do? He says to you, I haven't signed any of the paperwork yet. Okay. When I get out of here, I will. Okay, um, be safe. Do you want me to keep an eye on this room? Aren't you worried that they're going to come here? In a hospital? I don't know. I'm pretty sure they came for Lenny here, but... Okay. Oh, no. Is that how Lenny died? I don't know. In the hospital? I don't know. I don't know. Mm -mm. I just... I'm just worried. I'm just nervous. What what do you mean? What do you mean? (laughs) Lenny died in the hospital. No, he didn't die in the hospital. He didn't die in the hospital. Oh, my God. Oh, thank God. (laughs) Oh, thank God. Oh, my God. (laughs) I got to get out of here. I got to get out of Philadelphia. It got me worried so much now. I'm so sorry, Sal. I don't know. I just get nervous. There's a lot of stuff going on. You hear the heart monitor go beep, 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 beep. Jeez. You gotta kill him like you did the freaking psychic. Get out. Oh my god. Why do you keep bringing that up? <laughs> don't worry, Sal. I know CPR. <laughs> you kill one innocent woman that's trying to save you from your horrible future. and that's- she, was just, she was just trying to charge you money. She been trying yeah. to save nobody. <sighs> okay, I'm gonna hug him and stop hurting him. He goes. He goes. Hey, Heather. All right, everything will be okay. Okay, I love you, Sal. I, um, I'll leave you alone, and and I'll definitely stop hurting you. But I leave um Walter's number next okay. to his table and say that he can call me there. Just leave a message. He goes, oh, Walter, that's uh, the professor, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Professor. Oh, <laughs> I missed hearing him say that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you finish up with Sal, leave the hospital. Can I check when Walter's going to be done his surgery? They say that they plan on him getting out of surgery. Where's my clock? For Chad. Here's my Chad clock. Chad clock's out of sight. They said that... Chad clock's back. All right. Chad Chad clock's out. All right. They said they plan on him being out of surgery by noon. Okay. And what time is it? For you, it is now 10 o'clock. Oh, man. He will be younger, stronger, more powerful. Supposed to be watching those books. Um, well, you can't right now. Okay, I'm gonna go to a nurse that doesn't look like she might be a snake or in the mob, and <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> say, "Can you do me a favor and just like make sure nobody goes in that room?" I was supposed to watch his belongings, but as usual, I was late, and I was supposed to grab something, and now I can't get in there. She goes, "Don't worry about it, hun. We won't let anyone go through his stuff." Okay, thank you so much. I'll be back as soon as I can to see how he is. 
Okay. So you leave the hospital. It's about 10 o'clock for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you do from there? I'm going to go to the fireside. Go to the fireside. All right. So when you get to the fireside, you do see that there's a lot of bullet holes around the front and side of it. So it looks like they may have driven around the corner, shooting the place up as they went. Dang. You can see that the windows have like those bullet holes and they're mm-hmm. spritered. The neon sides and the windows are all blown out. They're expensive. Yeah. <laughs> and there's no cars parked around. There's obviously no one here right now. Okay, I'm going to go in. All right. You unlock the door to the handle handlebar. You unlock Uh-oh. the door to the fireside. <laughs> Julie's sitting in there. Uh, <laughs> hi. <That's- laughs> hey, don't worry. I played all the Leonard Skinner songs, and I, I made sure all the whiskey's still good, but it's gone. <laughs> so you unlock the door to the fireside, walk in. You can see the only light coming through, making little dusty beams of light, is coming through the holes that are in the wall, in the door, breaking through the windows that are all kind of stained dark with nicotine. (laughs) Okay. Uh, I'm going to flick the light on maybe in Sal's office. All right. So you head into Sal's office and turn on the light. And, no, he's got his little desk, little, little cabinet. A ledger. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go through his stuff and see if I can find any clues to any of this. Like about the mob or who he was selling it to. And Okay. I don't know. All right. So. This place got to be freezing with all those bullet holes letting in all the old air. <laughs> any like threats that he got or something? I don't know about anything roll accounting then fine because i have accounting and i got 15 which is a hard pass baby the Mm, only time mm, you'll mm, ever mm, use mm, that skill mm, check it off (laughs) nice work so you're going down the ledger and you see a lot of uh funds getting fundled funds getting funneled (laughs) i like that fundled (laughs) it's like getting fondled but it's a great time (laughs) Oh my god. That's great. <laughs> um, so you're seeing a lot of these funds getting transferred to another account of someone named Chucky M. I recognize that. Sounds like a real snake. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm... Yeah. But, Heather, think about this now. It's not the same guy that he was going to right. sell the so bar to. So Chucky M. Okay. That got him. Yeah, it was a different rival mob that came and shot it up, uh, knowing that you know, the the M's <laughs> <laughs> or about to own it anyway. Oh my god. Okay. Alright. Um, I'm gonna snag as much of this stuff that looks important as I can fit in my purse. All right, you snag up some of those accounting records. Take a swig of whiskey. Well, that's in his desk, too. But he keeps the good stuff for himself. I'm not going to drink his, though, out of respect. I'm not going to drink his. I'm going to go drink the dusty, crusty ones. Uh, 
So get some rumple mints or something, and then yep. just fucking go back in the car, go back to the hospital. Hell yeah, rumple mints. It just makes you smell like you <laughs> brush your teeth. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> so, get in the car, and where are you going? It is now 11 o'clock for you two. All right. Um, I'm pretty close to my apartment. Same time. I used to walk from, like, I'm going to go to my apartment. Yeah. And at Paige, Detective Thompson again. With that okay, number. Detective Thompson at eleven. You see that there's two pages from uh, from your apartment. Mm-hmm. My battery is dead, so I had to get a new one. Yeah, there you go. I got a new one for my taser too because I've been using it just in you case have, I get a backup. You have been going tase crazy. <laughs> going tasey. 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 I'm tasey for feeling. So, Thompson, you get you finally see that you have a page from uh, Heather's number. I stop somewhere for lunch and um, use a payphone. Okay. You stop at you know, uh, one of our many diners here in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. which all seem to have payphones back in the day. Uh, so, yeah, there's a little corner with the, um, you know, those two small wooden side walls. Yeah. And the rotary phone is hung right in the middle of them. Yeah. Uh, I drop a key on in. I mean, a coin, not my keys. Shit. Damn. I got my key stuck. <laughs> <laughs> a little help? Uh, drop a coin on in. Dial uh, Heather, I guess, the number given last. Okay, answer, first ring. Still ringing. Okay. Yep. Hello? Christ. <laughs> uh, Heather? Is yeah. Luke? Luke, where are you? One of the many diners here in Philly. <laughs> Can you come and get me from my apartment? I don't want to talk about any of the insane stuff that just happened on the phone. I don't know. Maybe I'm paranoid. But I can't really talk about these people on the phone. I see. Um, sure. Uh, can I get that to go? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so they box up your uh, food in one of those styrofoam containers. Put down another coffee and get moving. All right. You get rolling. Dude, I must be like, uh, Heather's real endearing. She's getting a bar. She's, Lenny left her a whole bunch of money. Yeah, but figure anything nah, good that happens, store. it's only the doorway to bad I know. I know. It really is. Hey, I got this statue. Come check it out. <laughs> Unlocks the gates. This bar is cursed. Gates. Do you want it? <laughs> Unlocks the gates of hell. You should just turn around and sell it. That's what I'm gonna do. I don't know what I'm gonna do with the oh, money yeah. though. Like I don't know, Mike. Like I feel just like live. I feel like she's been kind of been. piling up money. She got that money from Western Union from fucking Grandpappy. Yep. I was gonna give it to you Sal. Go there. I was gonna give it to Sal if he needed money. That's why I asked him if he needed it. <laughs> All right, so we were gonna get back to Walter. Mm-hmm. Oh shit, Walter. You're not sure what time it is. Mm-mm. Look around, hear that. Boop. Yeah, but you're waking up. Yeah. Boop. You hear that little, that little Boop. heart monitor machine going, and it's not going very fast. <laughs> I'd imagine he's fairly relaxed at the moment. Yeah. And uh, give me a listen roll. Ooh, 63 seems a bit high, but let me check just in case. 
Ah, 31 listen, no chance. Well, you still kind of groggily are waking up now, and your vision's kind of blurred. It starts to come back into focus, and across from you, you see what first looks like a blurry just outline of someone. Looks like they are furiously doing something uh, with one hand and the other, like packing cigarettes or something. But as your vision starts to come into focus, you see that it is Tom Winklespect, and he is on a calculator pounding numbers in furiously and writing things down on a, with a pad and pen. Hmm. He kind of looks confused. He's like, Tom, am I, am, am I dreaming? He puts his things down. And he goes, oh, Walter. Hey, hey, buddy. How are you doing? Uh, I, I, I don't know. He kind of looks down at his chest, pulls up the gown a little bit, or I guess everything's bandaged still at this point. Your stuff is bandaged up really well right now. I see. Uh, I, I guess good. He kind of shrugs. What, what about you? What, what are you working on? He looks even more confused. He says, oh, I'm just trying to solve this equation that hasn't been exactly figured out yet. But I like to dilly-dally in lost mathematics and equations, things like that. I just can't quite get this one figured out, though. And he looks kind of angry. And he looks back at his calculator and pad. Hmm. And then he looks back to you again. And goes, any rate, Raquel told me that you were in the hospital. And I uh, just thought I'd come by to visit you. Uh, well, well, gosh, that's awfully thoughtful of you, Tom. You know, I uh, guess I left you a few messages before, but never really heard back from you. I wasn't really sure where uh, where you stood in all this. But uh, what messages did you leave for him? I mean, he's kind of checked in with him a few times throughout the, uh, uh-huh. you know, the the months, but never really heard back from him. I don't think directly, but oh. uh, you know, he heard back from other people about the same things, so it's not really right too big of a deal. So Tom just says, "Well, you know, I just wanted to make sure that you're doing okay. I hope you have a quick recovery." And he reaches into his pocket and he pulls out a card and hands it to you. Read it. Okay. Read through the card. It, there's a there's a dog on the front. It has like a little cast on one of its paws. <laughs> and it says, uh, and you open the card up and it says, stop feeling so doggone bad. Nice. Oh, like that. <laughs> yeah. And then below that it says, get well soon. And it has his signature there, which is really, really bad. Looks like, like a third graders or something like that. Gotcha. I actually got confused. I thought you meant it was a business card at first, but uh, that's uh, pretty... No, 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 no. It's a... Kind of... It's a, uh, you know, a gift... Not a gift card. A... Uh, get well soon card. Greeting yeah. card. Uh, greeting greeting card. card. Thank you. So he kind of reads over and gets to the signature. He's like, whoa, Tom, were you uh, you a doctor before a mathematician? Uh, he gives a little laugh and he says, nah, I just never had really good penmanship. I never quite got the hang of it. Uh... I'm really more of a numbers guy, and honestly, even those are little funny looking when I write them down. And he gives a little laugh. Hmm. Can't argue with that. I'd say numbers are far more important. Walter, as he hands you that card, you hear something really high pitched, something like a like a like, and it it keeps cutting in and out, like tinnitus. It almost kind of sounds like that, but it doesn't sound like it's coming from inside your ear. Huh. He's like, uh, that's weird. I keep getting a ringing. And then suddenly he's like, the books. 
And he kind of looks over to the nightstand and uh, makes sure that they're still there. It's hard for you to reach the nightstand. So Tom helps you out. He opens it up, and the books are indeed still in there. Okay. He breathes a sigh of relief. And I says, uh, well, that's good. Uh, you know, uh, being under, I uh, kind of lost track of uh, my watchful eye there. <sighs> Well, I guess uh, on to recovery and uh, back to the books. Says, yeah, well, I'm actually done mine at this point. Got all my boxes lined up. Oh, cool. (laughs) I hope everybody else is uh, getting as far along as you. Uh, I've got a few different books here, but uh, I mean, rather, I have a few more books to go. Haven't gotten through everything. And Morocco's pretty far. Walter, you you keep hearing this this weird, what high pitched squeal? What is that? He kind of looks around the room. He's like, are, "Are you hearing that, Tom?" And he kind of like puts a finger in his ear and like shakes it a little bit. Yeah, Tom goes, "What? What?" And he reaches over to his ear and he starts adjusting something. And you hear the ringing go in and out even quicker. <coughs> he's facing you with the ear that he's fumbling with, and you can see that he has uh, a hearing aid on. Oh. I see. It's like, uh, is that what's making that noise? Is everything all right? He goes, yeah, it's a little on the frets right now. Huh. Gosh. Uh, and he keeps playing with it. And he goes, <laughs> huh. How about that? Uh, boy, that must uh, get annoying at the times. He says, yeah, it does. It's only been like this today, though. Did something uh, out of the ordinary happen? I don't know. Maybe it's just running out of battery or something. Hey, Walter, you just have like a kind of a cordial conversation with Tom. You know, I'm uh, somewhat of a repairman. You want me to take a look at it? He says, uh, yeah, sure, if you know what you're doing. Uh, well, he doesn't really know electronics. Do you have electronic repair? No, no, not that specifically, but... Uh, oh, it's antique restoration specifically. Aha, uh-huh. yes. This is not exactly an antique. But you tell him that uh, that you're not really good with electronics, and he goes, he goes, oh, that's okay. I can take it to the shop, hmm. the shop, or to my doctor. <laughs> and then uh, Walter, give me an education roll. You only need a regular pair. Oh, 94. Not gonna do it. Ooh, hmm. dang, that is not good. Um. There's something about him seems repetitive almost. It, it's hard to kind of pick out. Um, do you want to push the roll? Uh, yeah, I think I will. Uh, he kind of makes a little small talk as he kind of like watches him and maybe looks for some more clues and says, uh, "Hey, uh, would you uh, you know anything about Brightly? I uh, heard he's he's away on a trip or something." Ooh, an eight that time. Ooh. Okay, great. Hard pass, right? Or or extreme? Yeah, definitely. He's got 77. Nice. Nice. Okay. So an extreme pass on that. Walter, he says, yeah, Brightly's out on an expedition out in Morocco right now. Uh, he looks like he's getting into some Sumerian stuff. Huh. Isn't that, uh, I mean, you know, with all that's going on right now, don't you think that's a bit distracting? Do you know what he's up to? He says, I'm not exactly sure, but this expedition was planned a while back. 
He's got students with him and everything. Oh, I see. Well, maybe that's a little different then. I guess I just had hoped it was part of the uh, the Ophidian business here. He kind of shrugs. Yeah, and you guys have, again, a little bit of a cordial back and forth. Um, you know, just kind of making small talk. And then it hits you. The weird thing about Tom is that he looks the same every time you see him. He wears the same collared shirt. He wears the same tie. He wears the same khakis. And he wears the same hideous sweater vest. It is olive green with a blue and orange plaid stripe across it. Bum, bum, bum. And we are ending the episode there. Come on. Oh, my God. My, my. The experiment didn't what? go as planned. Yo, when you said he had like a child's handwriting, I started looking back at my notes and I was like, wait a second. And I, I thought I remembered uh, at the scene, the forgive me. Forgive me. But I didn't write it, but I didn't write it down that it was a, it was a bad hand. I couldn't remember. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, man. Oh, oh my man. God. Tommy Wings. Dr. Bad Hand. All right. Well, guys, um, that's going to be the end of the episode. Thank well you. Done. Thank you. Well done. And thank you, Tom. As usual, thanks to all of our listeners. Thanks to our Patreon supporters. Thanks, you guys, guys are helping us keep the lights on thanks, over here. Thanks guys. so much, thank everybody. You. Yes, and everyone remember, until next time, sanity is overrated. <laughs>